Welcome to Design to Thrive podcast. This is a space where teachers and school leaders and community partners come together to talk about the great things that they're doing to create schools where students are, uh, they are recognized, they are empowered, uh, they are heard, and ultimately they experience success. I'm your host, Alyssa Frazier. And today we are taking some time to devote this show to our brand new teachers, to our pre-service teachers, to our in-service teachers who are very, very new, maybe um, in their first few years. Um, for the majority of folks that I've had on the show, um, I've pulled in folks that, that have been teaching, right? Um, five, 10, 15, 20 years plus like myself, and what I realized is that we as teachers um, are on a continuum and it's important to bring in different perspectives. And so today I have on the show with us, Maya Turner. Maya, say hey. Hey, y'all. Yes. Maya, I've gotten to know her um, the last uh, few months. Maya is a... Um, is a member of our collaborative, our color-coded um, educators. She is passionate about culturally responsive, um, creating culturally responsive schools. And um, Maya actually left teaching recently to start her doctorate program. And um, she was a newer teacher, so she had only been teaching for a few years. And then she recently made this transition. And so um, I know her as a, like I said, a, a culturally responsive um, uh, part of our collaborative. She is amazing. Um, she is knowledgeable. She is creative. Um, she, she just kind of the way that I've been seeing who I am and how I'm interacting with teachers and um, you know, making sure that we're building community together. So um, Maya, if you could, um, please just, if there's something I missed, maybe um, introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about you. Um, I think, I think you pretty much got it. You got it. Um, that's, that's pretty much what I do in terms of um, like education. Um, I like to also uh, consider myself um, a mother because you know, I, I have my little one. Um, a novice baker uh, because in my head um, I'm going on Food Network one day and I'm gonna win me twenty thousand um, dollars and you know I'm just I'm with the with the people on social media call us zillennials I'm at that weird crossroads of like Gen Z and the millennials um, so I'm you know I think that's pretty much describes me I think you got it I appreciate that and you were a prior um, ELA high school teacher at a uh, urban school. Yes. Um, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit. Um, first, just talking about your background and um, kind of what led you to become a teacher um, and what were some of the most um, impactful experiences um, along your journey that, that caused you to say, hey, this is what I want to do. Yeah, so my... Ooh, child. So my my journey to becoming um, like to actually like working in a school in general, um, being a teacher, being an English teacher, 
Um, it goes back, I would say, like just to my time, like as a student, um, because where I ended up teaching actually is where I went to school. Um, I actually graduated from that high school like three years before I became a teacher there. And so um, growing up, like I would have never, um, I would have never expected to become a teacher. I never just saw myself wanting to teach. I never just looked at my teachers and were like, oh, these are such, such inspirational people. Like I had a few, but for the most part, um, I have a lot of like negative experiences when it comes down to like education, which in the grand scheme of things, when people have those negative experiences, they usually do the opposite <laughs> of becoming a teacher. Um, and so I told you earlier, Alyssa, like my mom, she worked in corrections for um, a really long time. Um, I think about 15 years. And so she actually left working for like the prison system. And she was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I want to teach, went back to school, got her bachelor's degree, got her teaching certification. And so she's been teaching ever since. Um, and so that was like my first exposure to like seeing someone who taught that like genuine, like genuinely cared um, about like the students that they had. And like, I remember like being a teenager being so like aggravated with her because one, I'm a teenage girl. And, um, but two, like being so frustrated because it's like, why do we have to go to all of these extra school events um, for this school that you're working for? Why are you taking all my old books and bringing them to the students? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Like, why are you buying them clothes? Like, I just remember being so, so frustrated. Um, but as time went on, um, I'm slowly turning into her <laughs> and it all makes sense now. Um, and so I graduated valedictorian and I just knew like I had to be a doctor. Like nobody could tell me I wasn't gonna be an OBGYN because I was. Um, I was going to school, major in biology, all of that good stuff. Like catch me in about 10 years, I'm gonna be delivering babies, right? Not right. Um, I hated those classes that first semester. And I'm like, you know what? I really love English. I'm heading over to liberal arts. <laughs> and so I got into liberal arts. And of course I fell in love with English. And I knew at that point, I was like, I started to think I wanted to teach. I started tutoring on campus, but then I was like, no, no, no. Cause I ain't gonna make no money. Cause you know, I'm, I'm 19, 20 years old. It's like, I'm, I'm going with the money at. Um, but then, um, I actually had my daughter my some, the semester before I graduated undergrad and it was like well you know what I need to do something that would allow me to have a more flexible schedule um, and that's how, how I I'll say I fell into teaching but I, I know there was a master plan um, um, in play there and so pretty much I just thought I was going to be teaching as like a temporary thing like education still was not going to be for me but then I got into a master's program and I started to study um, like urban education I started falling in love with the kids that I was teaching um, like right here next to my desk is like a big panoramic picture of the first group of kids I ever taught um, and like to this day, I still check in with a lot of them because I just, I hold them dear to my heart. Um, one of them is here at the university in the same like department, the same college and everything. And she's doing work to become a teacher herself. Um, and so- That is so amazing. I think the most impactful thing and why I became a teacher is because I 
one I didn't have examples in my own like personal experience with the exception of a few like I had this one band director who was like always great um and I had like maybe two or three teachers here or there but I feel like even that's pushing it um and so from that sense I became I was trying to become the teacher that I never had and then also in watching my mom and her journey in education and becoming an educator um a lot of that is what inspires and kind of where I get my own beliefs about what it means to be an educator. Um, just because like I admire her so much. It's like I don't realize it, but I just I strive to be a lot like her, which is why I'm turning into her now. Um, so shout out to her. Um, but yeah, I think the main thing that led me to becoming a teacher is just that one, I just have to stop fighting the urge. Like I had to stop fighting it. Like I, it was gonna happen. <laughs> it was gonna happen one way or the other. Um, but I, I did, I did try. I tried real hard. Um, I love that. I, I, I love that. And, and I love that for so many reasons. One, because you reminded me, you took me back on memory lane. My, ki my, my kids would say the same thing. Why are you buying that? Because I buy stuff for my, for my kids. Um, just as you know in the same vein that i'm buying stuff for for my for my biological kids um because they were on my mind and in my heart and their needs were with me that i was carrying them with me right um and so i love that 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 you share that and that you experience that but more so i love that you walked us through your journey because as as newer teachers and as older teachers i think that there are some assumptions that we make about um, who our kids are and who they can be and, and who's around them that inspires them um, because they might have a parent who is, you know, was your mom who's working in corrections, right? And, and decided to make a change. And that same teacher might be encountering folks who um, maybe that mom is not, is working full-time and they're going to school and they're doing, they're doing something for themselves and they may not be able to make all the meetings or they may, you know, might be in a place where um, they may not fully understand, right? What is happening in their kids' lives. And, and it might be fantastic things. It might be really challenging things, right? Um, but I love that you, that you brought that up because some folks know right off the bat and then some folks have really powerful experiences. And that's you to say that, that you had familial experiences, that you had experiences in school. Um, and it's not uncommon for folks to say, I wanna be the change, right? I wanna be this thing, this, um, not just this thing, but when I say this thing, I mean this, um, this inspiration. I wanna be this presence. I wanna create these experiences. Um, I wanna be this person. I wanna be better, right, than, than for them. I wanna be better for them. And I think it's an important point to make too because I know in like the space where I was working before I left to start this program is that like my, like my teacher tribe, like my, my teacher clique, you know, that we all have, um, like the four of us, like to be honest like those three educators and this is including my mom because we ended up um we ended up at the same campus ultimately um teaching the same subject and so um her plus these two others that i had none of us went the traditional route 
to becoming a teacher. Like we all went to school thinking we were going to do something else. And then life brought us to um, ultimately like what our calling was to be teachers. And then even more interesting, like I said, I graduated from that same school. Um, two of my like really close friends also graduated from that school. And like my mom, she didn't graduate from that school specifically, but she graduated from one of the schools that would consolidate and become yes. the school that the rest of us yes. graduated from. And so it's just that notion of like how we kind of came full circle um, to yeah. not only become teachers, but to become teachers to like our, like our kids. Um, Cause it's our community, you know, like it's, yes. we have even more of a vested interest in it um, because we have, like we have these ties to the community. And that also kind of goes with what you were saying too, of like these like notions that we have about people. Um, Cause I know, I think the journey I took to becoming a teacher. Um, and then also like, I'm not that far removed from being a student. Um, like it gave me perspective that I think a lot of um, more seasoned teachers have that they don't have um, just because like, they're not, they're so far removed. You know, a lot of times like, a lot of teachers just get set in their ways. And then it's yeah. just like, well, I've been doing it like this for 15 years. Sure. Um, and so, you know, it's one of those things where I think it's just, it gives, it gives rich perspective. Oh yeah. Opening doors of understanding. And it is that it is rich perspective. And I'm glad that you, you use that, those words because um, the generational knowledge that we're bringing, the understandings, the perspectives, um, they're important. And so um it, you know, just putting that front and center. So I wanted to, because I know you, how I know you is through um, creating culturally responsive classrooms. And um, I'm really interested in your feedback just as a new teacher. So say, you know, this is the, this is the Maya, right? Just starting yeah. off, right? You're a new teacher. You're, you're working in um, a, a school that is culturally diverse, black and brown kiddos, maybe majority, maybe mixture, right? Um, maybe they're culturally and linguistically diverse. We have all of these, all of um, these intersections, identities, we have all of these that are, that are bringing in, um, that are in our school community. And you are a new teacher, you're fired up, right? You're excited, you're fired up. <laughs> what advice would you give um, to someone who wants to be culturally responsive, who wants to be um, equity centered, but they might not know where to start. You know, this was a good one too, because it made me think about like, like it was 2017, I just graduated from undergrad. I had my little alternative, you know, teaching certification program I was going through. I had all my little stuff and I just knew, like I was about to come up in here and, and kill the game. I did not kill the game um, at all. Like even sometimes, like I have conversations with some of those first like set of students I had. And I'm just like, you know, I'm sorry because like Miss Turner that you had and Miss Turner now are two different Miss Turners. And I'm, I apologize to you. Absolutely. We're still saying not, that. Keep going. <laughs> you did not get the best of me, um, which I don't even, I don't think I've realized the best of me yet, but comparatively, you did not get the best of me. And so um, I think one of the things, and I say that to say the best advice that I can give anybody who wants to do this kind of work 
is that you just have to be ready to like face some hard truths. Like you don't know everything, you won't know everything and you actually have to be willing to learn. Like, cause I know one of the biggest things that I noticed with, um, with like some of the teachers I would work with is that if, especially if a student said it, like if something you did or something you said that didn't like sit right with them or it rubbed them the wrong way or it caused like this kind of, you know, tension between the two, they didn't want to acknowledge it because in their head, like they can't be, they can't be wrong. But I think acknowledging that you can't be wrong and you will be wrong. And then like taking the time to actually reflect on it and like make changes based on, on what happened is the best thing you can do. Like one of the funniest examples I have of this is that um, when I first started teaching my very first year, I was like fresh out of undergrad. I was 20, um, turning 21 right before the school year started. And I was still like operating in that like undergrad frame of mind. Um, and also like I was only three years older <laughs> like than my students. Like it was not a, a big gap in age because I was teaching 11th graders. So I'm 21 teaching a bunch of like 17, <laughs> 18 year olds. And so, um, and so I remember my kids did something. I don't even remember what it was that they did, but I was like, I got something for y'all. And I made them like this real thick packet of work they had to do. Like, and they had to turn it into me or they wasn't going to pass. Like, it was just like a thick, thick packet of work. Like the next year, some of them I ended up having again, because I taught it, like I taught an additional subject. And so I was like, you know, that packet I gave y'all, I'm sorry. Like, I, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have did it. Like, that's not, that's not what I do. That's not what we're going to do. Um, and I think having the, having the strength, because it takes like a particular amount of strength to be able to admit to like people that you're wrong. Um, and like admitting that you're wrong, admitting when you're wrong and actually like being able to learn from it and grow from it. Because of course you're not going to know everything. Like we know that teacher prep programs and like university teacher preparation programs, the alternative ones, none of them are really and truly doing the work to give like pre-service teachers, like the tools that they need to be culturally responsive. Um, and so like, there is gonna be, you know, some mismatch going come, on. Come, come on, come, come on and talk to us about that mismatch because, and even before you do that, I want to jump in really quick to, to tell you that, um, there are folks that have been teaching five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years that are doing the same thing, right? Oh, that, yeah. they are, that they are, they've met a crossroad and they are using their position and their power to, um, to get kids back, right? To, to get, and you're not the only person that's done that. I've done stuff uh, like that where I've said, oh, you know, I'm gonna get you. And um, being able to say, wait a second, and being able to reflect and say, you know what, I'm not gonna do this, we're not gonna do this. And this is how we're gonna build um, our relationship and being able to step back, that's huge. That even just admitting that is, is huge because that is a professional point of growth to say, this is where I was at. And you're, you're, you're putting it on your age, right? But like I said, it's, it's, it's not age dependent um, and it looks different ways, right? It could look uh, like 
the way that you're you're grading your, the rubric that you're using. It could look like the way that you're penalizing students for having or not having the technologies that that you know you you think they should have, and you want to set up these systems. And so, I just wanted to interject because, um, as a, a a newer teacher coming in for our pre-service teachers or fresh new in-service teachers. Um, please know that the things that you're going through, if you don't stop and reflect on this, these things, you're gonna, re you're gonna repeat them. And if you're around other folks who are not saying, whoa, let's pause and do this, um, because you're right, teacher prep programs are not, um, are not telling us that. And so, um, but you are gonna talk a little bit more about teacher prep and, and culturally responsive. And so, um, you know, please definitely give us some more insights on, on what you were going to say. And I'm sorry to jump in like that. Oh, yeah, no, you're good. So the reason why I chose that particular piece of advice is like you need to be able to understand and admit and reflect when you're wrong is because the way that teacher prep programs work, if you teach in any type of district that is not just the standard um, of, to be honest, just like white Christian males, um, like you're not you're just you're not gonna do good just like trying to take these best practices like they say um and apply them to a classroom full of black and brown and culturally and linguistically diverse students it just isn't gonna work and i know specifically here in texas like the way that standardized testing for students work is the same way that it works for educators like the programs are designed to help you pass a test and the test is designed and functions on like a white norm that a lot of black and brown teachers just can't well we can't understand um but it's not it's not the reality is what i mean um and so especially for me who started teaching before i took the test it's particularly hard to try to because in a way you have to code switch like you have to turn it on and off like i tell people all the time they were like well like i'm having like a lot of my teacher friends had a really hard time passing the pedagogy exam that you have to take in Texas. And so I passed mine on the first go. And so they kept asking like, well, how did you do that? Like, like we're like, I need help. And I'm gonna be because like- Because you had solid pedagogy, come well, on. No, it's not even that I had solid pedagogy. I'll be honest with you. I, I'll just tell, I tell them straight up. I took my PPR as in the mindset. I was like, today I am a rich white woman and this is how I'm going to take this test. Oh, I hear what you're saying. You put yourself in a different frame. Yes. And I the passed, framing of the test. Oh, that I is like amazing. A, I had a, like, based on my practice test score, wow. my actual score, it was night and day. Like, wow. I was not expecting to get as high as I did. Like, I think, like, on the scale, I was, like, 15 points from a perfect score, which is, like, crazy. And I'm like, but... I went in there and I was like, today I'm a rich white woman and yeah. I passed my test. Like, that's what, like, that's what you have to do. But that's how, that's how these programs are set up. <laughs> like, that's who they're designed to teach. Mm. So it's like, we, like, you have to assimilate and like code switch into this thing that is not you in order to pass a test to become certified. But if you don't go to the district that they're asking you about, that has all the money in the world, um, it has the parents that come and are like super duper involved in the way that other people tell us it means to be involved. Um, like pretty much if you don't go to that kind of district, 
you're going to get there and try to use these best practices and you're going to be in for a rude awakening because it's not, it's not going to work because our students don't, don't learn like that. Um, which is why I say you have to be prepared to be wrong because you're going to go in there with your little lesson plan that you didn't develop. And, and, you, and, and you got to pre be prepared to, first of all, I love that, but you also got to be prepared to go in um, and have a learning, a culturally responsive learning curve because there's a ton of amazing research that's been done. Um, there's a ton of great f folks. Um, shout out to um, Dr. Chris Emden. Mm -hmm. um, shout out to Dr. Gloria Letts Billings. There's so many um, uh, wonderful folks who you can read their um, you can read their accessible work, right? And you accessible like just pick it up and, and just read it. And you can also read their um, look them up on YouTube, look at their, yeah. their scholarship. Um, but you're gonna have to do what I'm hearing you talk about is that you're gonna have to um, take on a learning curve and see it as a different kind of learning yeah because i know like i was lucky in a sense that because i taught in the same place where i <laughs> grew up my whole life like in terms of some of the cultural norms of the city like i already knew those because i'm from there like i understand like the norms of the black community there like i know that i grew up in it i know but even that like even then i still had to do the work because like i don't then I didn't know like what were the cultural norms of my Asian students because we have a nice like we have a significant Asian population there like I needed to understand the norms of my of my Hispanic and Latinx students because I have kids from all over the place like um I can admit like growing up pretty much like the way people talked about it like everybody was a Mexican right um, but now that once I grew up and, and I start having conversations and I understand one, that's problematic. Um, and then extremely, two, extremely um, problematic. Yeah. yeah. And then two, like all of these kids come from so many, so many different places. I have kids from Puerto Rico. I have kids from Guatemala. I have kids from Mexico. I have kids from Honduras. Like I have kids from all over the place. I love that. I love um, that. I love that. So being able to take a step back and be like, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your culture. Um, what's up? Like we usually have um, like the Chinese New Year. Um, we usually have Tet off in our district because we have a large Asian population. And if I finally got to a point where I was like, tell me about it. And then eventually um, my, like a lot of my students would start bringing me different things. Like I remember having one kid was like, Miss Turner, I brought you some pupusas. And then I remember having another student like brought me like the little envelope from Ted and was like, here, Miss Turner, I brought you this. And I'm just like, like y'all are, y'all are so nice. Like y'all love me. Um, but I actually had to be willing to, to learn about it and use that information. I was getting to kind of structure what we were doing in class. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, and I love that you brought up the continuum because uh, we'll hear that from time to time, right? To say that, you know, well, you know, this group, right? And this group might have so many different um, diverse experiences and, um, you know, you might, um, I, I wasn't raised in anywhere near the neighborhoods that the majority of my students were raised. And so I had very different experiences um, and very different ideas about, you know, what it means to 
interact in this way? What, what, what is considered respectful and disrespectful, right? And so, um, and what opens doors and closes doors? And so that's, that's you know, really, really important. Um, super, super important for kids that on the outside may look very similar yeah. or, or from your ear, they might sound very similar, but to each other, you know, they know, um, they know the difference. And so I want to turn a little bit and um, what are the ways that you've been able to build your professional um, PLN? And I'm saying that because as a newer teacher and older teacher, it's important that um, we have people around us that can um, support our growth, um, that it doesn't stop when you get the degree. And so I know that's something that you've been working on. And so if you could talk just a little bit about that. Um, yeah, so I will say this is something that I really didn't start to kind of hone in on up until like, I don't even want to, I can't even say that it was even my last year as a teacher, because I did three years. Um, it's something that I really didn't understand the importance of until I left and started a doctoral program, um, which is sad. But the main thing is like, of course, you know, I'll go to like my PLCs each week. But what happened was um, during my first year, whenever I would try to do these kind of things um, and also like my first year teaching is also when I started my master's degree. So a lot of times I would take things I was working on and learning in my master's degree and like try to also give it to the teachers in the department. And each time I would be shut down. It's like, well, well, how do you know it's been gonna work? Cause I've been doing X, Y, and Z. And I know that this works. I don't think that's gonna work um, because they were like setting their ways. And pretty much it got to a point where I was just like, you know what, I'm just gonna say nothing else. Like, and it it was hard because like the kids in my classroom, like they were like starting to do really, really well with what I was giving them. And we were like learning and growing together, like as a, as a unit, like as a class unit. And so we decided like, well, I decided I'm like, well, I'm just going, I'm going to keep it to myself. Cause every time I try to say, this is what we should do. This is what we could do. Here's something new that I learned um it just got shut down um with the exception of that my little teacher tribe my teacher click like they they would do some of the things like we would get together and we would do things differently sometimes um but like at that point I just I didn't I didn't want it like it was just like I'm I'm good just doing it doing it by myself including my my click every once in a while um but looking back I know that my like my transition into teaching, like as a new teacher, um, especially with those first three years, because I feel like the first three years is really, is really the ones. Um, like people say, yeah, if you make it to year five, you're going to stay. No, I feel like if you make it to year three, that's probably, like that's probably going to be that. And like I taught through, I taught right after like Hurricane Harvey. So like literally didn't even have a house. <laughs> um, so I'm driving back and forth from like my family's house because our house is like flooded. It's just gutted out. It's nothing there. Um, our whole city lost everything. So like I had to talk through, had to teach through that. We had a plant explosion. I had to teach through the plant explosion with wow. people's houses being messed up. I had to teach through a pandemic. Like I've had a lot happen in my, in my three years. And so looking back, had I had a network 
like had I had just a group of people who we just wanted to help each other to learn and grow like had I had that I know like teaching would have went a lot smoother because a lot of stuff I did was just a lot of trial and error because like I said like I didn't have I didn't have anybody to say this is what you know this is what you should try this is what you could do like I had to find the stuff on my own and so to be honest um the ways that I've I can't say ways that I've built it because I feel like I'm still I'm still working on it um, because now I'm trying to get out of this mindset that I got in teaching that I just have to do it all by myself, which isn't true. Um, but it's one of those things I kind of got to knock down those, I got to knock down those walls of what happened, like as a new teacher. Um, and some and, of this, you know, stuff I'm holding on to, like, well, I, I just do it by myself. Okay. And isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Um, that on one end we're saying, oh my goodness, these teachers are set in their ways. But after, even after a few years, she had already begun to form this mindset, right? And me being a part of your PLN um, and seeing the, the growing and learning and, and all of that that's happening, um, it's, I can see it um, and it's amazing, but just being aware um, that even as a new teacher, you might not acquiesce, right, to others that you went to, you went to them and, and they shut you down, but you may begin to formulate and, and hold, hold these dispositions. And we want to, um, really encourage our newer teachers, um, or even our pre-service teachers to begin to, to, um, to know that if you don't have that PLN that's in your school or you have one, it's maybe limited, um, that you can, you know, you can reach out to social media, you can reach out to us. We have, um, the color-coded community. Um, we have a wide range of, um, of uh, subject matter experts and um, pedagogy um, experts and culturally responsive. And so um, just keeping that in mind because you can have all the passion, you can have the education, you can have the heart, but it's hard. It's hard doing it on your own. And, and I will say like the social media aspect really like every Tuesday, it's like a like a hashtag that they have for hip hop ed. And it's just people like talking through the hashtag. Um, like there's lots of things like that, excuse me, that people have that allow teachers to, and not even just teachers, like anybody, teachers, researchers, anybody to actually like go in and network with people, not even in your district, not on your campus. Like I'm in Texas talking to somebody way in Massachusetts. So, you know, like it's one of those things where I wish I would have known how to capitalize off of it um, in more professional ways. Yeah, but even our, our, our color-coded combos, right? They're Facebook yeah. Live. Um, I need to put the link in here for, for folks, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so I definitely want to, because we are a PLN, um, I definitely want folks that if they are a, a pre-service teacher or a new teacher and they wanna um, reach out and hit us up in the color-coded community, great. But if they want to reach out to you as well, what is the best way that they can reach you? Ooh, what is the best way to reach me? That's an excellent question. Um, so I'm gonna pull it up because I don't look at it that often. So I can give you my, my professional Twitter handle <laughs> and then y'all can, can hit me up on Twitter because I, I check Twitter like I check my email real often. Um, and so my handle for my Twitter is Maya Turner and Maya is M-A-I-Y-A 
Turner and then Edie. Um, and you'll see me, I got a nice little picture with a nice little, little black turtleneck on. Um, and so you'll, you'll see me um, and you can, you can follow me there and, and tweet me, call me, beat me if you want to reach me. And that's how we'll, that's how we can work that out. Fantastic. All right. Well, I appreciate you being with us, um, Maya. I appreciate you bringing your perspective and experiences into our group, um, our color-coded group in our community. You've been a breath of fresh air, um, lots of fantastic conversations. Um, and yeah, I just appreciate you have being, being, I'm not an old fogey yet, but being, being <laughs> someone that's on the, the other side. So, but for all of you all that are, that are listening, um, please know that, um, if you're new to teaching or you're about to start teaching, um, we're excited for you. We need you. Um, education is, uh, being a teacher is one of the most important, um, jobs on the planet. And, um, you know, you can be the change that you seek and you can continue to grow and be the change that you seek. And we can be here as an extended community to support you in your growth. And so um, just wanted to let you know that. And for everybody else out there, just keep on shining. <laughs>